Blog Talk Radio. Oh, good afternoon, folks. First, let me apologize for last week. We had some technical difficulties. I don't know whose end it was on, but uh, I ended up going back and checking and and couldn't hear the recording. So I think it was my mic, but everything is checked out so far, and hopefully you can hear me right now. In a few minutes, we're going to get uh, Mr. David Bonacera on the line. He'll be calling in, and uh, we'll be discussing all these anti-etch products that we've covered over in the last uh, Oh, three or four shows. It's uh, going to be quite a quite a, quite an exciting uh, interview. David's kind of the guy that uh, uh, tells it like it is. Uh, he's tested all these products. He's been in the business almost as long as I have, and I won't tell you how long that is because that'll give my age away. Uh, but anyway, while I'm waiting for David to call in, let me uh, first uh, tell you again uh, about the Stone Inspection and Troubleshooting Seminar that I am having in Las Vegas on January 21st to the 24th. Uh, very limited number of people. I think I'm going to max it out at eight people. Uh, people are already calling me and inquiring about the class. It's a great class. If you go to my website, which is stoneforensics.com, click on the training tab, and you will see uh, all about the, the what we cover. It's it's a great, uh, as I said, a great seminar. We go out in the field one of those days and actually look at uh, a live uh, failure, so to speak. Uh, it's always a, a great time. We get to see different things. I happen to have a buddy of mine who lives out there that knows all the casinos and the properties out there like the back of his hand. So we get to see some pretty interesting stuff. That alone is probably worth the uh, worth the class itself, but it's, again, loaded with uh, information. Uh, during the show here, if you'd like to call in, the phone number is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. You can send me an email at fhuston, that's F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com. And again, I'll be happy to answer your questions. I've been doing that all all week long. If you'd like to try to send me on instant message uh, through Facebook, uh, I've got my phone here and my Facebook page is open. You can go ahead and just search for Stone Forensics. Uh, Click on the message little icon there and you can send me a message with a question if you feel a little shy about uh, about getting on the air. So anyway, uh, before we get David on the line here or try to get him on the line or if he calls me, whatever, a couple of things. If you want to, I would highly recommend you go back and listen to the past two or three shows where we've actually interviewed the uh, makers and uh, people who manufacture these anti-etch products and their coatings versus films. And uh, David's, I know, been doing an extensive amount of uh, research on these. And we're going to ask him some pretty tough questions uh, when it comes to some of these. I'm sure it won't be tough for him. Uh, but anyway, David and I go way back. Uh, he's based in San Jose, California. He actually called me about a half an hour ago and said, I might have to call you from the cell phone. I'm in San Jose traffic, and uh, I don't um, I don't feel sorry for him at all. 
<laughs> that, that it's brutal out there for you folks that uh that are out in that area. Uh the traffic is horrible, at least right here where I'm at in Melbourne, Florida. We have some traffic but but not that much traffic. And it looks like we have them calling in. Keep your fingers crossed and let's see if I can get them on the line. David, are you there? Hi, Fred. Oh yes, we got we got you working. Good. <laughs> you got back in the office okay, I, I assume. I did. I was very fortunate with traffic today. Very good. Well, I, I was telling the folks before you got online here that uh, I would highly recommend they go back and listen to the previous shows where we've interviewed, you know, people from more products. We interviewed Tough Skin. We've interviewed, um, uh, you know, a bunch of different people uh, concerning these anti-edge products. You know, we have coatings and we have films, but I know you have done a lot of testing with these products. So I, I do have some specific questions for you. But be- before we get into some of the specifics of these, um, I've got to put you on the spot right off the bat, okay? <laughs> Go ahead. Which one so far do you like the best? <laughs> Is that too much of an on-the-spot um, question? <laughs> I would – right now – for speed and ease, I like tough skin. Okay. Um, and it's got its plus and its minuses. But they all do. You know, you know, if you got a table that's trashed, you know, you pull the tough skin off, and six, seven, ten minutes later, you're cooking with gas again, and you're ready to go. Right. Um, on a small table, on a bigger table, it's a little bit different. The thing I like about it is that. There's only refinishing and filling holes, um, but you got to make that surface, you know, perfectly smooth. Whereas the coatings, you can fill in some of the little tiny holes and fissures. Right. But I like I like the Tuscan. Um, I like it a lot. It's a lot easier. I'm too old to be sanding all day long. So. <laughs> I hear you. Well, you know that brings me to a, to a question. You know, with the, with a tough skin product, the tough skin product is a is a film, as opposed to a, a coating. If we can distinguish those two, and I guess the problem you have with a lot of the coatings, and you know, you've done the testing, so you tell me whether I'm going down the right road here, is the dust issue. How do we handle the dust? I assume you don't have much of a problem with the tough skin with dust, but with some of these other coatings because of the cure times, et cetera, that can be an can be an issue. It is. Even with the Tuscan, you have to um, keep the dust out of the air, and there are ways to do it um, because you don't want, you know, dust bunnies from below with the Tuscan and dust bunnies from above. The coatings where you sand down, like the more and the other ones, um, you know, you can sand the, the dust out, um, though you too take a lot more time in sanding them out. Um, if there was, if you could keep the dust out of the air you could probably cut your time down immensely. Um, the real thing is, is for tough skin is the dust on the bottom, and then some of the coatings um, do have to cure. The, the more is nice because it cures instantly. Right. Um, the, the other ones take time, so you have to have the dust out of the air. So you have to control that room. And it can be done. It just you have you can't just go in, wake up in the morning and go yeah okay let's go do another job. It's pretty much very methodical. So you've got a lot of a lot of prep time and a lot of um, very detailed uh, uh, dust control from what I can gather. Yeah, and most of the time, no matter what product you use, you still want to be one of the last ones in the house, or you don't want any trades. We we came in to do a Tuscan job. And there was a guy cutting wood in the room, and my guys called me and say, can you hear the background? I said, 
yeah, are they cutting wood? He says, yeah. I said, all right, tell the clients have a nice day. Pack up and come on back. Because it was just impossible. Even these coatings, you still want to really, this is kind of, even though there may be a lot of dust in the sanding, we're still kind of doing a very fine-tuned type of thing. And we're probably going to be one of the last ones in anyway. Because if we're there, knowing contractors who they are, one, they don't protect the surface. Two, they put anything and tools down on the surfaces. And that's what keeps us in business, of course. Of course. But for the most, but for the most part, they do the darndest things. So we want to be kind of like the last ones in. And because we're ready and, you know, we're, we're immediately ready, though full cures next day. Um, the more product is immediate. Um, the Fila product has time that it takes to cure. Um, and then with the stuff with Steve and his coating, again, it takes a little time to cure. But again, all of them have a lot of pluses, and some of them have their little things. The thing that's interesting right. about this, Fred, is that next year it's all going to change a little bit. Tuscan's coming up with stronger coatings, you know, and everybody's the technology. More is going to get their stuff down. Um, you know, everybody's going to get better. Of course, and you, you kind of expect that. And, of course, hopefully when it gets better, the pricing will come down somewhat too. But, you know, one of the things you, you had mentioned that we haven't mentioned on the other shows, you know, we talked about, you know, Steve's Polishing Pro System. We talked about the Moore product. We talked about the Tough Skin product. And I'm trying to think if there's another one we, we talked about. But the one we haven't really Clearstone, spent yeah. a lot Clearstone, I'm sorry, Clearstone. And the other one that I have, we haven't really talked about that you just mentioned is the Fila product. What, what's up with that? It's a very interesting product. Um, they're still working out some kinks. Um, but the fascinating thing is is that it actually does work. It takes a little tongue, tongue more time to cure. But it actually does very, very well against stain resistant. And I would put them up with pretty much close to anybody else. And I used to work close to anybody else because um, we haven't done a true hardness test on theirs and everybody else's side by side. It's not like we had a, a coating shootout or anything. Right. Um, <laughs> but for the most part, but one of the most, the things that are most interesting is that it's about 12 to $15 a square foot. Wow. So when it comes down to it, you know, it's kind of like uh, the computer when it came out, it was $3,000. Right. And now it's nothing. And I think the prices will come down. I think more Clearstone, I think, it's it's done its thing. Um, good product. The VOCs are way too high for me. Um, Moore's coating, the VOCs are way down. And that's really what's important. But the Felis also, the, the VOCs are down. It just takes a little more time for it to cure. But once all that is under control, it's going to be hard to compete against it because it's half of what the lowest coating is. Right. Talk about $15, that's affordable. But then oh, yeah. again, it's also the easiest to do. And let, let's, let's, do, let's, let's do that, David. Let's take each product and kind of review it. And let's look at, you know, I, I know a lot of the products, um, you have to actually hone the, hone the material first. And some of them you don't. So why don't, we, why don't you go through each one of those real quick? And, let's, uh, start with the, let's start with the Clearstone. Okay, um, great. Now, the Clearstone's gone through a lot of changes. Um, because it used to be really, really soft. They've gotten it harder. Um, 
I've actually have had to fix countertops where they had clear stone, they couldn't get it, they've been there for two weeks in the kitchen, and they finally pulled it all up. Once they pulled it up, I had 50 grit to work with. I had a white marble, and they wanted it back to factory polish. Um, mm. Doable, but it took a lot of time and certainly a lot of love to do that. Um, but when you take a beautiful stone and then have to just destroy it down to 50 or 80 grit and then bring it back up, um, some people are okay with it and some people are not okay with it. Right. Um, the, clear, the clear stone has a high toxicity level to it. Um, I think it's going to move from more from clear stone into the more. The more is done instantly. Um, very, very hard. Um, you know, I'm not fond of the light, and my guys weren't either, but it's still a very, very good process. Um, because if you do look into the light, it can hurt your eyes. Oh, and yeah. It possibly could cause blindness. But they've done every precaution they could, and it's up to the person who's using it to do it. Um, one of the real advantages in training on that is Stuart Rosen is on the East Coast, Ted McFadden and uh, Cameron DeMille's on the West Coast with training centers, um, working out all the bugs and training people, and that's a, that's a good thing. I mean, that was mm-hmm. a very smart move on their part to do that. Um, but again, on the other hand, that's a lot of sanding. Yeah. And that's a <laughs> lot of different grits. And one thing in Silicon Valley here, which people don't like anything other than perfect, um, which unfortunately they haven't really got to the real world because nothing's perfect. <laughs> but if you're doing a big island in Atherton and you have huge bay windows to the backyard, they're not going to accept any waves. And mm. they're going to say, I don't like that. Bring it back to original. Uh, good point. And when they put their foot down and you got millennials that have lawyers on retainer, not a <laughs> right. No. And, and they then we have waves. They won't accept anything. They're just kind of different. And people are not getting any nicer as far as clients go lately. You know, it's kind of getting uptight. Right. So uh, then we, we now, so now we'll move on to uh, Steve's product. To which product? Steve's. Steve's product is really kind of cool. Um, again, it takes the curing time. Um, the dust is, they've worked out the dust problem. Um, the thing about the cool about Steve's product is that they can formulate it. So if you're in winter, they can formulate it different than, let's say, if you're in the summer. If you're in the south where you have higher humidity and then like you have something that's drier in, let's say, Arizona, <clears throat> they can formulate that. And that is a really huge thing that they can formulate that to uh, the different um, – Atmospheric conditions. So, for instance, let's say they do something, you know, in the Middle East. Okay, they can formulate that different to make the cure time a little bit longer because it's so hot and it won't flash as fast, as opposed to something where you're going into a very cold, freezing climate um, to kind of redo that as far as that engineering for the people that will. It's kind of like glue. You know, Bondstone does the same thing. It's you. You have different things, different temperatures. Things flash faster when it's hot, slower when it's cold. So the thing with Steve's, it's more versatile for different climate changes, or shall I say not climate change, but more of 
conducive to different climates. And that's the thing that's really cool. Um, plus, he's got a whole cool stuff of in his line of products. Um, but again, his stuff's pretty darn hard. Um, and it's not hard to do. As far as the sanding goes, two steps, put it on, have a nice mm. day. And that's cool. Yeah, that is. Um, it is. And, you know, you can make it satin, you can make it gloss. It's, again, very, very versatile. Um, and it isn't as expensive as all the sanding that the other guys take. Um, but then again, you know, you still have, there's, you know, they have it down, but they're still working on it. Again, we'll see what he has next year. But right now, I don't see many downfalls to his product as of yet. All right. And then uh, I guess, and then you've got the uh, the tough skin product, which is a which is a film as opposed to a coating. So uh, yeah, any honing. I always tell people, if, you know, if you like picking your scab, don't use this product because <laughs> yeah. if people, it's a film. It's just like film on a smartphone. Okay, it's there to protect. It's a really good product. It's fast. You really can't tell it's there. The way I got introduced to tough skin is I was sitting at the MAA booth during the surfaces show and spilled the drink on the table and it was a marble table and I'm kind of like, okay, what's up with this? And that's how I found out. So then I, once I figured out that I spilled the Coke on it and nothing happened to the marble, <laughs> I went over to see him at the booth and I said, what okay, is this? <laughs> dig up. So that's how I found out about it because right. they had it in the booth the whole show and nobody knew it was there until they spilled something. And then he's at the booth, his booth, and saying, hey, go to the MIA booth. And, you know, you couldn't even tell it was on there. So that was pretty cool. For me, doing hotels, um, it's really fast. And you can, lay it, you can lay it down and ready to go in the rooms. They can, rent, they can put the room out, you know, in a couple hours. Um, Which is important. It's very important because they're not going to stop for anybody. They want that done, no. and they want they want to get the money for the room. Occupancy, yep. occupancy, occupancy. Absolutely. And that's really what it's about. The downfalls to Tuscan, I would have to say, you just control the dust. And what I've learned as far as making seams is I just don't make any seams near water because people sometimes aren't the neatest in the world, and they leave the water sitting there. And even though you got a good seam, um, water is what it is. But right. aside from that, I don't have a lot of problems with it. Uh, once in a while, I get a corner peeling up, and I go over and I take a black light behind the corner, and I see a fingerprint, and I go, don't do that again, you know, because that kind of thing, because they'll be picking at it. Um, but that's really the only thing. Again, it's, you know, is it as strong as a coating? Um, some of the coatings, um, may, may, maybe not as hard, but I will tell you this, Fred, it is the only product that truly 100% does not stain. Mm. And that's where the rubber meets the road. A lot of these other coatings, you, if you work hard enough, you can get them to stain. If you leave them on long enough, you can get them to stain. The tough skin, nah, throw, throw your afters for dinner. And it's disgusting. Wake up the next morning and clean it up. It's right. not going to stain. That's the cool thing about the tough skin. It doesn't stain. Does it scratch? Yeah. Does the other coating scratch? They all scratch. I think the winner of this one is going to be who can fix the scratch the fastest. Exactly. With the best repair. And again, I can't say which one's going to win. I think they're all going to have their place. But, 
you know, if you're going to spend, you know, a couple hours trying to fix one scratch, and there's always more than just one scratch, right. you know, and people are, I always tell people, lady talking to me uh, last week, she says, well, can I put a hot pan down on it? I said, yeah. Uh-huh. But I said, did your mom tell you to use a pot holder? She goes, yeah. I said, well, mom's still right. Did she tell you to use a cutting board? <laughs> yeah. Mom's still right. right. Why do you want to change what a standard's always been? Exactly. And, and you know, it brings me to a, to an, another interesting question there. We're talking about we're talking about stains, but these products are anti-etch, you know, quote, unquote, etch. How do they hold up to etching? I mean, what's, what's your experience there? Um, you know, they all hold up to etching really, really well. Um, the more does really, really well. The Clearstone now, I say now, um, does. Um, even the Fila, over once it gets past its cure time, it also holds out all the etching. They all do very, very well at the etching. There's no qualms about that at all. It just depends on how much cure time. Tuscan, right away. You have the more. Um, absolutely right away. Then they all don't etch. The problem is how much prep, how much time, and how much mess and how much sanding do you want to do in a day? Um, right. That really comes down to. But all of them are all of them are no etch. That's what's cool. All right. Uh, if I take if I take the feelers after 24 hours, I can get it to I can I can I can get it to stain. As far as etching goes, I can get it to etch. Um, after all the cure times. They're all they're all good, right? Which is which is really important, and I think that's something they're all going to be working on because, you know, as we already mentioned, you get into a hotel, they want you in and out of there, and they want to they want to put a guest in that room right away. So, I mean, that could be an issue if the cure time is too long. Well, and it is, and here's the thing too: is if you got a table, you got a coffee table, and you got a scratch, and to sand down the coating, and then bring it back, and you got an hour maybe two hours to pull it off. The question is, can you pull it off? There lies the question. Can you pull it off? Because they're not going to say, gee, we really love you so much. We're going to give you all day. Uh, no. Not nope, in ain't gonna the work. hotel. Ain't going to work in the hotel industry. No. And that's just the way it is. I don't care who you yeah. are. I want to back they, up they one minute. Yeah, I want to back up one minute because we were talking about VOCs a minute ago, which I know is a big one for you, especially being out there in California. But uh, why don't we back up a little bit for those listening, especially some new newer guys that don't know what the heck we're talking about when it comes to VOCs. So how about a little bit of a uh, lecture on volatile organic compounds? Yeah, VOC is, like you said, volatile organic compounds. It is the measurement of toxins which emits into the air. Um, and... I've seen some products that say, you know, we have no VOCs, and you smell the product, and you, you're like, wow, man, right <laughs> after. You know, and you're like, wow. And they say, no, we don't have any VOCs. And I, I was actually, um, it was actually Bonstone. And I said, you cannot put this on there. He says, yeah, it doesn't have any VOCs. I said, no, you're, you're absolutely wrong. I don't know where you got your stuff from. But I said, this stuff just about knocked me out. I said, no. I said, you will lose in the court of law. You will have your lunch handed to you. Yep. <laughs> and they go, well, we'll check into it. And I said, well, you do that because no VOC is no VOC, like my better bio line, right? It has zero VOCs. It's, right. you know, more than 80% bio-based. It has no odor. 
and that's what you're talking about. When you're talking about odor, you're talking about people who have allergies, um, emphysema, chronic fatigue syndrome, Graves' disease, Epstein-Barr, all those people that mm. cannot have odors. Um, it's little to say that we have to go outside and suck that air, plus the indoor air quality air of the building materials, and God knows what else anybody's bringing into the house. You know, right. It's kind of like I was Blackfield's talking to somebody today, and I said, yeah, it's so funny when you're in L.A., everybody thinks it's so chic to have lunch on Sunset Boulevard as you have thousands of cars driving by and you're sucking carbon monoxide while you're having a salad. <laughs> And that cheek. The point is, is that VOCs and volatile organic compound is very important because over time um, they can get into your membranes. And your membranes are your eyes, your ears, your mouth, and your nose. And those are all areas that can get into your body and also into your bloodstream. And even when it comes to um, a smell, um, a smell that's toxic can get into your skin eventually and into your bloodstream and break your chromosomes down, which generically is an offset of your genes. So, um, and that's a whole nother discussion and a whole nother show. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, for me, I'm very aware of VOCs and toxicities simply because if one of my guys get hurt, it's just way too much paperwork, Fred. Oh, yeah. Way, way too much paperwork. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get you guys out of commission, and then your rates go up, and it's just a drag. So it's better to oh, just yeah. be safe. And, yeah, and, what, not, and you go to a job site, and they're not wearing the proper stuff. They get back to the shop. You write them up. They'll get it. Yeah. They'll and and it another thing and another thing about VOCs, too, other than the health issues, is the environmental issues as well. There, There is so much that people don't tell you about products. I mean, just alone, you take water, right? And everybody goes, oh, yeah, water's cool. But they're purifying it with chlorine. (laughs) And chlorine and concentrate is a bad boy. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like the whole thing when they came up with orange peels was environmental. Well, they said, yes, and on the sheet it has delimaline. Well, delimaline in a concentrate is a carcinogen, silly. Yep, it is. (laughs) So... They go, yeah, it's going orange peels. It's natural. Yeah, well, rattlesnakes and skunks are natural. doesn't mean it's good for you. Right. <laughs> but That's the true. point is is that I see a lot of things, a lot of environmental products. One of the things that all the stone guys we can agree on really is comes down to that a lot of the green products really aren't safe for stone. They're slightly acidic or they're high alkaline, or I had one case with Claudia Gozell that I was helping her with, and that was that the stone was eroding, and it was eroding because, and they said, no, they used a green cleaner, certified green. Well, when you looked at Mm -hmm. the MSDS sheet and then started looking at the cast numbers, you go, well, this is just a floor strip with a citric acid. So they got a floor (laughs) strip base, they got an acid, and they put it together, and it makes neutral, but it was the acid product in there that would, take the veins and just erode them. So, and it was certified green. Yeah, somebody gave him $3,000 said, yeah, thanks for the $3,000, you are green. Yep. <laughs> green products kind of really are fun. I've seen some that are really good, but most of them are just diluted toxins. Yeah, and uh, uh, you know, don't get me started on that. Actually, we could do a whole show on that. That's a good idea because uh, that, that really, it really 
lights my fire when people start talking about the word green because it, it really doesn't mean what people think it means. But let's let's not go there today. <laughs> Otherwise, we could spend a whole hour to go down. Yeah, you're down that road. But, you know, one thing I do want to get to, and this is something that you and I have had a discussion with uh, a couple of weeks ago, too. And, you know, I'm a restoration contractor and I, I want to do this, which is, you know, all great. It's good money, blah, 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 blah. What's to prevent this from happening at the quarry level? In other words, let's let's do this to the slabs before they even leave the quarry. And, you know, regardless of which product you're using. And, uh, you know, that way... It, you know, I mean, I I can see all kinds of problems with that, but I want to hear your opinion. Aside that quarries are probably the highest dust-rated areas ever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, they're not real control of the dust there. It's kind of really loose cap. Um, to be able to do that, you would have to be able to put it into a room containing the uh, the dust again, which is really important. It was kind of like what Antonelli was doing. Antonelli had the secret room. No one could go in. It was all, you know, tightened up, buttoned up, and that kind of stuff. And that was fine. And they made a good product. But then they shipped it. And mm. there are some suppliers who got their stuff marred. And what do they got now? The giant doorstop. Yeah, because exactly. What happens, Fred, when you're shipping is one Aside from the dust and everything else, you have a container that is sitting out in the ocean. And that container is metal. It is hot. It is humid. And it's mm -hmm. baking. So you have that heat. You have that humidity. Okay? And you have all the slabs next to each other. And as that comes from the truck onto the ship and off the ship and back onto you know, the trailer that takes it, you have movement. And that movement can take those slabs and just a little bit of movement can scratch it. Oh, absolutely. And there's the problem. So once they get the shipping down, whether it's, okay, well, is plastic going to be fine or is plastic going to melt? Is it going to mar into the coating? Or what product are you going to use? Are you going to use plastic standoffs on top or on the sides? How are you going to keep it, you know, from all that happening? because right now shipping is a huge problem with that. And once they get that worked out, and I think they actually will get it worked out, because that seems to be, to me, the easiest thing to solve. Um, but it's kind of like when you get packing on certain tiles, and you look at the tile and you go, well, that was the packing. Well, get it off. Well, we have to grind this stone really deep mm -hmm. to get it all off. Or they put the plastic on, and you pull the plastic off, and you got plastic in the stone that's embedded, and you have to grind it off. Well, why did it happen? Well, sitting in a container, <laughs> it was hot, and it melted. So those are things you really have to look at in doing that. I know that quarries want to do that. I know they want to ship it all over the place. Um, you know, there's, and there are people that say, let's just do it in our stone places here. And there's a lot of logistics to get past that. Um, oh, yeah. And they will. They will get past that. I'm sure of that. But right now, um, they're, they're not. And I think within even a year or two, they'll get past it. But right now, it's a it's a problem. All right. 
And I can see another issue, too, for the fabricator, per se. I mean, let's say they get past that shipping issue and the dust issue and all that stuff, and the fabricator gets a slab, and let's just say, for argument's sake, it comes in perfect. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the coating. Now they start putting routers on it, running through the CNC machines. They, again, the same type of issues. Fabrication shop is not dust-free. <laughs> you know, I've been in hundreds of them, and they're not dust-free, so there's a, a whole nother room that needs to be set up, and uh, so you have that problem there. So I agree with you. You're not quite there yet when it comes to uh, doing this, you know, post, um, or not post, but pre-installation. Yeah, you know, and again, it's another, one of the things that's really important is when the fabricators are cutting, if they want to do the coating inside of their shop, that's fine. But you need to be able to do the edges, and you've got to be able to sand those edges and make it work. When I was working with the Morse stuff, um, I took a red piece of tape, which they asked why, and I said, well, I'll tell you later. <laughs> and then when they cut it, so the whole thing is, is when you make those cuts, okay, then you've got to do your edges. Well, I, I brought in OG in um, when we were doing it, and the, it was fine. Um, there was no problem with the sanding and the coating. We were able to do the OG perfect. Not a problem, couldn't tell. And it was the same as the top. Not like now, when you look at the factory, and most of the guys who are fabricating really can't. They're fabricators, but they couldn't top polish to save their lives. And the right. edges aren't as shiny as the top. Well, in that case of the more, it can do the edges. It can go over it. And, yes, you can bring it to the same exact top spec which is kind of cool um and that's a real plus for them by the way oh yeah absolutely is to be able to go over the edge now the the thing now is just go you know straight 90 or a miter you know but again um the technologies everything go over the edge tough skin cannot go over the edge it just no. cut back at an angle so that maybe that I would say is probably one downfall compared. But for right. the most part, most of the people, there are people who say, I want my edge detailed down there. Some people that say, I don't care. It's kind of like the people that say, I don't want anything to happen to my white marble in my kitchen. And then there are some people that go, I don't care. It's a rock. It's beautiful. <laughs> exactly. You know, no, uh, tomato, exactly. tomato. <laughs> I, I do have a couple more questions, but let me let me throw the phone number out there, too, uh, just in case someone's listening live and they want to call in and ask, ask you a question. And that, uh, folks, the phone number here is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. Although most of the people do listen to this on the archives, which is just you know fine when I look at the statistics. You get more people look, listening to this later than they do live, which is, which is okay. But the next question I have, and uh, that is... Real simple question. How do all these coatings and, and the tough skin and everything, and, and again, take them one by one, how do they look as far as, you know, when they're done? Do they, they look natural? Do they look like it's coated? You know. The tough skin actually has probably the most perfect shine on it. Um, and the nice thing about tough skin is that when you lay it down, it's perfect. Absolutely good slab's going to be when it comes from the factory. The coatings... Um, you have potential for some waviness. And I use the word potential very carefully. Um, and there are some people who have worked that out, and that's great, but not everybody's going to be able to work it out, and not everybody has 
the talent of the men who are training them either. Right. So you have to look at that. So some people may say, well, you know, I'm okay with it. It looks nice. Some people won't see it. Some people will look at it the next day or a week or a month later and say, get back here. I don't like this. What is this? And then they're going to stop their feet and make a big hissy fit, and you're all of a sudden having a bad month. Um, so, again, there's a variable. Um, one of the things that's nice about the fila is everybody, except Tuscan, they just have to prep the, the surface. Um, they don't have to sand it down. What fila does is just actually, believe it or not, because um, they were over here a couple of weeks ago, and they went right over a polished stone, Fred. Oh, well, that's a product and I'd like to was, see. Yeah. It, it was pretty cool. There's a few kinks. I can't talk about them. There's a few kinks we're working out, but they're real minor kinks. But for the most part, it is the fastest, easiest way to go. Um, and again, you got dust and a few other things you have to deal with. Um, but once they get it worked out, it's going to be something to contend with because it's really fast. Um, inexpensive. But if, and inexpensive. But if too. somebody somebody comes, it's very inexpensive. But if somebody comes in within the first, you know, hour and a half or two hours while it's setting up, um, but an hour and a half and two hours is not hard to contain a room. Right. That's a big thing. But all of a sudden, if you got a bunch of construction dust and somebody decides at the end, all of a sudden, well, you got the thing, you're doing your thing, and the HVAC guy's in and he turns on the HVAC for testing. Doesn't happen very often, but it will ruin your day. <laughs> now, what, what about but, vertical surfaces, Dave? David, you know, any of these products? I mean, obviously, some of them can. Uh, any experience there with uh, vertical products like shower surrounds? You know, and the issue I have there is breathability, but let me hear what you have to say. Oh, God, breathability. Tuscan had to prove to the MIA that it could breathe before it got MIA's endorsement. Most coatings do not breathe. They'll say they breathe, right. but you and I both know what it's like to have mm -hmm. a coating on a hardscape next to a softscape with the um, flow drainage going towards the hardscape and what happens. Right. Um, but as far as the vertical surface, we put Tuscan in quite a bit in showers. And it holds up well. Um, and sometimes, you know, we have problems with it around tubs because the silicone will break down or the sealant will break down underneath the tub. The water mm. goes underneath, comes up, and then it kind of gets funny. Anything that's a topic has the potential, as water comes up when it dries, as it does, has potential to be a spoiler. Absolutely. Water can do that. Now, but tough skin can go on those surfaces. Um, you feel it can't. Um, as far as Steve's stuff and the more stuff, I think just putting in an additive to make it thicker, absolutely. I think it's within reach. Absolutely. Good. Now, what about UV? I know I think, I think when I was talking to Steve, he said his product had UV inhibitors in it. The others, are the others UV uh, inhibited at all? They say they are, but the jury isn't out yet. It's kind of like I always tell people, they say, yeah, it does, or yeah, this is great. And I'm like, okay, well, how long has it been out? Oh, a year. Said, okay, well, give me about another four years, and let's really talk about this. Because there are so many products, you and I and a lot of people out there know, that they say that it has a guarantee. Enhancers is a great one. They say, yeah, 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 it'll be great outside, it'll be great outside, and how many failures are noted throughout a year where, <laughs> they, 
Well, because there's no end. There's right. the problem. You get started right. on that, there is no end. Um, people in the industry will change formulas on you. They don't really care. They're not going to tell you. I've gone over this with all the different manufacturers, you know, and they change their stuff. They'll say, yeah, this is fine. You know, Adria's fine, then Adria isn't fine, then do Adria Tiger, and then Adria Tiger isn't fine. And all of a sudden, then you go, okay, well, this doesn't work well. Actually, you know, it's a too tight of a stone that the enhancer won't really get into it, and there's a lot of factors. There are a few out there that are really good enhancers, but there's a lot of people out there who don't test, and then there's a few of us who do test. It's not that we have the time. It's because we want to be more confident in the product when we present it to our clients. Um, and a lot of people do testing. I mean, I won't mention their names, but a lot of guys out there. But you oh, have yeah. to test. But I've had my own failures. People say, yeah, 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 this will be great. Yeah, yeah, we reformulated it. It's great now. And I try it, and then I'm back the next year redoing it. Yeah. And I'm like, what happened? And they go, oh, you didn't put it on right. And I'm like, you lying dog. <laughs> I'm like, that's the way you say that. I prepped that guy actually the way you say it. I even took some extra precautions. So don't tell me that. So a lot of people aren't honest in the industry. So as far as to go back to your question of the coatings, they say it is, but time will be the, yeah. the, the, the time will tell you. I can't and always, really say right now. Yeah, and I'm always of the opinion there's nothing that's UV proof. Maybe UV resi- re- resistant, but nothing's UV proof. I mean, UV's it, it's it'll break anything down eventually. The sun is pretty brutal. Yeah, it is. Um, so is water. Water's corrosive. Oh yeah. Yep. It's um, it's our so enemy. It, it's our enemy and our friend at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And one of the things about the outdoor environment is most of these products that we're talking about today are primarily indoor products. Right. Okay. I know that uh, Kemper York actually has um, the Korean Veterans War Memorial in San Francisco, and it's outside. And it's holding up just fine. And they get the weather on it, and he takes some the better bioproblem solved and wipes it right off. All the hard water comes right off of it. Boom, back to, back to brand new. And what products, the, on, what products on that? What products on that, David? Uh, it's a tough skin, actually. Oh, it's tough skin. Okay. All and, right, cool. Yeah, tough skin. And they get the hard water spots. He uses my better bioproblem solved. And then the hard water spots come right off, and then he buffs it out and good to go. He only goes in once a year to do it and it just snaps right back. It's kind of cool. But I think if that was in a situation, again, it's proven its test. I mean, Franco Tuscan has had a head start on everybody for about 10 years. Right. You know, he's done it, been there, done that already. You know, he's already got the mileage on it. We've done a lot of the testing. Um, is it perfect in showers? Um, I've had it be very, very successful in showers. But in other ways, um, I've had some failures and I've had to redo it. And some of it really didn't stem from a, a failure of the product. It was a failure of just, okay, well, who pre-sealed the stone? Or why did they build it this way? Um, oops, there's no sealant underneath the underside of the seat. You know, little things like that that will cause problems. Everybody does the precautions. Um, when we do tough skin, myself personally, I like to pre-seal. I like to pre-seal the heck out of it. I was talking to somebody today who has a Sierra, uh, California Sierra salt and pepper, 
and kind of looks like the Chinese salt and pepper. And this thing mm-hmm. is so porous, Fred. You look oh. at her, we got pregnant. Oh, my God. Wow. And so we sealed it once. It just sucked it in. I let it set up for a couple of days. I sealed it again. And it took forever to dry. After a couple of days, then I put the tough skin on. But the problem is, is now they're saying, the architects are saying, okay, well, a soft joint was specified, but we want a mortar joint. Well, no, because of mm-hmm. expansion and contraction being outside. Right. You want that soft joint because, one, it's moisture resistant and pretty watertight, whereas the mortar. Now, if the thing expands and contracts and then it cracks, that water is getting into that side of the mortar that's raw, and it's going to suck right in, and it will really hinder and make any coating a problem. That, at least that's how I see it. Somebody can call in and say, well, no, that's wrong. But that's I know enough about water, moisture, and the pressure of water, and then the evaporation process of what the sun does and where the water goes that can cause a problem. And, again, those kinks will be worked out over time. But oh, yeah. as I'm specifying this job, no, we got to go soft joints. And the guy goes, well, they don't understand expansion and contraction. I said, well, take 12 of these tiles, get them over there at 6 o'clock in the morning, put them all together, put a chalk line over the front one, and then come back in three in the afternoon and see how far it expands out, and then look at them and say, can we have expansion joints now, please? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's gonna, what's going to yeah, what's going to be interesting, David, is uh, you're bringing up, and in, in my mind, my my you know my wheels are turning here, and I'm thinking, looks like I've got to add something to my stone inspection class, <laughs> that is going to be looking at failures as the result, or not the result, if you know what I mean, of, of some of these anti-etch coatings. I don't know how many times I look at a wall, all right, and I look at the wall, and they say, okay, well, what do you think the problem is? I said, did anybody bring a genie lift, or <laughs> you know something where I can get up and look at the top? Why do you want to do that? Because <laughs> most of the time, that's where the problem is, and yeah. it comes. It just moves right down to gravity, and then eventually goes. Yeah, I want to come out here, um, but you always want to look at the top and see how that is sealed up. Um, we just did one, and we're still working with uh, Petrus Arena, this um, Apple Stone, which has now been pulled out of the Apple stores, and they put it on a three-story building in Palo Alto. Um, and they're having a hell of a time, but one of the problems was that the water was coming from the top. And while I'm sitting right. on the street, they go, what do you think, Dave? And I said, well, <laughs> does anybody have a lift that we can get up to the top? Why would we do that? And as it turns out, that was the problem. So people don't see that kind of stuff. You're looking at it from the bottom, but when you get into forensics, Fred, I mean, I've taken the classes a long time ago. I've taken them recent, and every time I take one of your classes, I learn stuff. And it keeps me sharp, and that's yep. why I'm, I still do it, because you can't sit on your laurels. As long as no. you've got new materials and you've got some doofus building it who isn't <laughs> following a TCNA, ANSI 108, 118 book, or an MIA book, and they're just building it because, yeah, I've been doing this for 30 years, you know. doesn't mean they've been building it right. And then a lot of times with the restoration <laughs> person, we are held to what somebody else did. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely. We, that's that's why when we did the uh, MIA book, um, did a lot of guys, you know, um, Stuart and Cameron and Ted, you know, they were all part of it. And they're all great writers. And Kemper was on it and a lot of the people and Keith Graves. And is writing this thing as we came together. Um, we all had our strengths and stuff, and we put it in there. It was really cool. Um, but as we got into the troubleshooting section, it really became that 
I wanted to do this thing with the pictures to coincide with the problems. Right. But also then Greg Mowat stepped in and he put a lot of this stuff to reference of TCNA, ANSI, and MIA standards. Because the whole thing is you can throw polish down and polish a floor and then say, well, I'm a polishing guy. That's not true. You can be a right. polishing guy, but the point is is that what you do, you're still at the bay of what somebody else did. And that's where that comes in. Um, and that's why we kind of did that. So we're trying to make restoration guys smarter because the tile guys aren't getting any smarter. No, but no, anyway, I agree with you We're kind of getting off on track um, yeah, from the coatings. But on the coatings, back to the showers, um, I don't know. I know that Tuscan can do it because we've done it. As far as the other ones, I don't know. I don't think anybody's been in a shower that I know of that's lasted, you know, enough years to prove its point. That doesn't mean that they're not going to get there, um, you know. Which, um, you know, which – yeah, and that brings me to, to actually, unless you have anything you want to add, but my last question, and that is, uh, you've kind of already covered this, but maybe a, a quick summary. You know, where do you see all this going in the future? I don't know. It wouldn't have happened if everybody thought that marble was such a great idea in your kitchen. <laughs> exactly. You know, this is good, brought good to you point, by the people point. who thought that travertine <laughs> was a wonderful idea. Uh, and just give me one person that says, oh, I still love travertine. I mean, I love uh, <laughs> Roman unfilled. I've seen it in really elegant high-end houses where it's largely unfilled. It's really hard, and it looks beautiful. Okay, but travertine—it's got holes in it, and you know it's, it's not the easiest thing to clean. And everybody, everybody did it. Now everybody's going to white marble and thinking that's the thing, and they're putting it in their showers. But I'm kind of like, okay, so you're going to put a white stone that has loads of iron oxide in it and loves to rust, and you want to put it in a wet area. <laughs> and so, so today somebody asked me, they said, well, if it has all this iron, why does everybody put it in a shower? Why is everybody, if it's soft, why do they put it into the kitchen when everything in the refrigerator is acidic? I said, well, actually, I think somebody jumped off a cliff and somebody of influence said, what a great idea. And everybody followed because they're <laughs> just the way humans are. And they said, yeah. and I'm, this lady I'm talking to is from North Carolina. She was um, a structural engineer and a lot of other degree things because she ran me through the, the gamut on a, on a, um, a blown rod in the structures and started talking about hardness and different hardness between the Mo scale and the Rockwell scale and epoxies and all this stuff. And after a while, I just said, look, ma'am, that's over my pay grade. <laughs> she was pretty smart. <laughs> but, you know... Um, but why do they do that? I don't know. Right now, the white marble is a fad, and because the white marble is a fad and everybody loves marble, this whole coating thing, it's perfect timing, and it's not the marble things ain't going to go away anytime soon. And nope. as long as there are um, stones that etch, um, you know, that's fine. I use tough, I've done tough skin over dolomites, where people call them a soft quartzite. Of course, a soft quartzite really is technically a granite, but this stuff isn't really granite. It's a hard marble. But for the most part, um, I've even done a coating, and these other guys will also be doing coatings on the dolomites because they etch, and people don't want them to etch. But as long as they got 
you know. In Europe, nobody cares, Fred. Yeah, no, Johnny did don't. this on his eighth birthday. My husband did that over last year, and it's a discussion. It's not something to freak out and ruin your your day over. But exactly. they do. <laughs> they do. So as far as that goes, it's not going anywhere. I think it's a good thing. Um, I think we'll also be able to take that take that technology and jump into other things. Um, about oh, 12 years ago, I went down to Los Angeles, and somebody had this uh, coating. And it was before uh, 10, 12 years ago, maybe longer. And so I go down there, and I look at it, and we get there early in the morning. The guy's doing his thing. He's got his light. This way before anybody had lights. And... So he does this light thing, and he goes, wow, look at that, it etches. And everybody's sitting there, and um, Al Spade, a friend of mine, who was putting it on, and he goes, what do you think, Dave? And I pulled out a key, and I scratched it right across the surface. And <laughs> I love goes, you. You are such a yes. And uh, he called me a bunch of names. And I said, you fix that, I'm in. Anyway, at 4.30 in the afternoon, he comes over, puts his arm around me, and says, you know, I take back everything I said. He said, you just saved me well over $30,000 for an investment on this whole thing. He wow. says, thank you. I says, does that mean you're taking me out to a great Jewish deli? He goes, yeah, no, yeah. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no comment there. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap things up here, and we're gonna ask you one last thing, which has nothing to do with what we're talking about. And you know, as you know, I'm doing my stone inspection and troubleshooting class out in Las Vegas again next year. How about a little bit of an endorsement? What did you think of the class? What can you tell the people about that? You know, I've been doing forensics for quite a while. Um, really, kind of got started in it a long time ago when I went out to, I believe it was the Carolinas. Um, to take your um, yet two class, which was a substrate class, as many, 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 many years ago. Oh yes, yeah, a long time ago. And your historic restoration class. And once I got into your class, I found it very advantageous to the point where I learned a lot, and I was able to keep it. And the paperwork that you had were good, and still to to this day, state of the art as far as your forensic classes that I've taken, um, even though I knew a lot of the stuff, I learned a lot. And you're, or even if I was to take it again, I would still learn a lot because there's still more to learn. The human only retains the best 25% of what they learned the day before. That's why That's I right. take a geology class. But as far as your class, it is definitely probably the best class for learning forensics and if nothing else, troubleshooting problems that I have ever been to. And it's a pretty badass class. Well, I appreciate that, David. I appreciate your time today. I'm glad we were able to work out the technical difficulties here. So uh, uh, again, this will all be archived. So go ahead and uh, you know, make sure everyone listens to it. It was, it was great information. And of course, uh, we'll have you on again Thank soon. You. Well, I definitely want to talk about We'll get into that green subject. That's that's another subject I definitely want to talk to you about. So I'll give you a call sometime yeah. next week. Thank you very we'll much for having me on today. I appreciate it. No problem, David. Have a good one, buddy. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. So long. All right. There we have it, my friend, David Bonacera. I think that was some great information. You know, And again, keep in mind, folks, that these, these products, a lot of these products are still in development. Things are going to change. So I would recommend you contact them all. Go back and listen to the previous two or three shows that I think there was three or four actually uh, on this particular uh, particular subject, which is the anti-etch products. Uh, a lot of good, useful information to help you make your decision. You know, whether you're a consumer, an architect, a builder, or a restoration fabric, uh, fabricator, 
whatever. Uh, so anyway, so folks, uh, I'm glad you tuned in. Uh, we will see everybody next week, the same time. And uh, everyone have a great week and we'll see you next week.